We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. You probably know the feeling. Sweaty, fast breathing, quick heart rate. That's a cortisol spike. It feels awful and its imbalance is the cause of your anxiety. Rebalance Health's three-part anxiety system helps address it at the root. Rebalance Health lozenges are natural and designed for optimal absorption, providing 24-hour relief. Live life fully without feeling like you're fighting for it. Get 50% off your first month with code CALM23 at rebalancehealth.com. All right. It's that time once again. It may not be the Masters, but that doesn't mean that the PGA DFS season ends by a long shot. We've got plenty more to go. And now, talk RBC. Heritage, strategies, lineup construction, player pools, everything that you guys want, we have here at awesomeo.com. I am Ben Raza. I am joined, as I always am, on these Tuesday afternoons by Eric Lindquist. Sir, you were at the Masters, so I do <laughs> want to hear about that, but welcome back. Chad, it's good to see everyone. You guys know the drill. You want to support us, hit the like button, subscribe. 75,000-plus subscribers, you want to be one of them. But let's start right off the top. How was it down there? incredible it's uh it's disneyland for golfers no doubt about it even when you're in line at the bathrooms they have the exact same thing from disneyland where it's like eight minutes to the front of the line and you're like oh this is never been to disneyland outrageous you've never been to disneyland how about disney world no neither interest you whatsoever no i've been to bush gardens at one point when i was little are you a roller coaster guy at all no. Do, you, do, do you think that I'm a roller coaster guy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can put it in there. Do, do I look like someone that's going to go on roller coasters? All right. No, we need to have a poll. Is Ben a roller coaster guy or is he a Ferris wheel guy? He is one of the two. Or You're a Ferris there wheel could guy. be a third. Uh, other. <laughs> other. Um, it's weird. I, did, I used to. I've been on Ferris wheels, but I wouldn't go on a Ferris wheel for 50 grand right now. I don't like heights. Uh, that's why I get tickets by the glass. What can I say? But uh, one other question about the Masters, and then, of course, we'll be diving in. We got plenty of time. Did you, I assume that you consumed food on the grounds? Did I you did. not? It, what, give me a quick summary of, like, you hear about these cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. What do we have going on down there? All right, let's power rank this if you want. Number one, above and away from me, uh, is the uh, egg salad sandwich. The egg salad sandwich is just outrageous. Then it goes to, oh God, I've just got to like go, th- I'm on the fly. The ham and rye is decent. I'd say that's probably like three or four. Uh, they have the, uh, what is the other one? Chicken salad. The chicken salad one's number two. Incredible. Two of the most garbage sandwiches by far. Number five. So I know that there's like six of them, but number five is going to be the chicken sandwich. It's cold. It's just like a bland chicken sandwich. I don't really, that doesn't interest me a whole heck of a lot. Barbecue sandwich was decent, but barbecue, it was all right. But by far the worst sandwich I've ever had in my entire life is the pimento cheese sandwich. Wow. I could not have hated it more. And one of my best friends from, from South Dakota was in Atlanta randomly on a Saturday. And well, he told me he was going to be in Atlanta Saturday and was trying to coordinate if he could drive over to get dinner or something. And I'm like, can you get here on Thursday night? We had an extra badge that just kind of fell into our lap. And so we were like, well, if you want to come out, one of the, one of the patrons, one of the guys that goes routinely had an extra badge for him. And so he changed his flights, got out there Friday morning, and he's like, oh, my God, pimento cheese sandwich. I've thought about this my entire life. Took one bite. He's like, that is the biggest letdown of all time. Oof. I always yeah. wondered what, uh, how those would be. Now I got a little insight. So let's talk a little more about the Masters, and we're going to talk, of mm-hmm. course, about Yahoo. We got promos. We got all sorts of things going on. Scotty Shuffler has taken over the golf world. It, it's incredible. Uh, Rory incredible Sunday, but he was never really in contention, which was disappointing. And then, you know, various things in between some guys didn't have it. Some guys did. Honestly, I didn't find it that like that many takeaways from the masters. It was just a good solid tournament. Tiger made the cut. He certainly doesn't have the bandwidth for 72 holes at this point, but it was Mm -hmm. encouraging anything. Uh, Go ahead, please. 
he has the bandwidth for 72 holes on a flat golf course. And that's why St. Andrews makes a lot of sense for him because you don't understand how undulated that place is. And it, they talk about it on TV all the time. I'm in pretty good shape. And I was, I, I left there. Maybe it was also the alcohol consumption, but mm. for the most part, I'm in pretty good shape. And I had blisters on my feet on Saturday. I was exhausted. I fell asleep at like 7 p.m. I got back that afternoon on Saturday to LA and I fell asleep at seven, seven. And it was just, it takes it completely out of you. If you're a decent in shape person, Tiger Woods has not been routinely walking for a year. Um, I will say St. Andrews, I'm going to be just buying right back in on him because of what we saw. You just got to kind of find a way to get in and play for him. He's the iron play is right there. There were a couple shots on Thursday when he was obviously healthier. He ran out of steam on the weekend, but on Thursday, he was spectacular. We followed him for a lot of it. He hit this punch, hang, cut, seven iron, or, uh, uh, shot on seven. Uh, they got up to the front of the green. He gets it up and down. His pitching was superb. Um, it, was, it was one of those things where I'm willing to buy back in on Tiger Woods on a flat golf course. If you were playing Harvard Town this week, this is as flat as it gets. That would have been yeah. fantastic. Get that uh, PGA Tour win to beat Sam Snead's record. But uh, that's not, neither here nor there. I just think that on a flat golf course, Tiger Woods is back. So take that for what you will. We'll be talking about Tiger in due time, but we do go to RBC Heritage here. Before we do that, I'm going to say Yahoo Fantasy Sports. I played there last week. I built crazy effective teams because the, the pricing was so soft. It was a different change of pace, and we've partnered up with them this PGA season. Fantastic offers. Limited time offer. I know this has been going on for a while, but it won't be forever where you get that free month of Awesome Plus Platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play via the link below. Super easy. A lot of different sports going on. Look at that. Tyler Zander puts it right on the screen. If you don't know the instructions now, I, I really can't help you. But if you are interested in making some money, <laughs> getting a free month, uh, that is what you need to do. It's a great site. Eric, I know you, you always play over there, whether it's NBA playoffs, PGA, mm -hmm. and now we've got new sports coming in, Formula One, USFL. Who knows what will be in the lobby soon enough? Yeah, calling out our audience at the beginning of the show. That's always I'm a not strong... calling anyone out. Well, I'm I, just I saying... will call some people out. Some people think <laughs> I am a big roller coaster guy. That that is that is not the case. Not <laughs> well, happening. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, you, you never know. Life comes at you fast, and it could come at you faster on why a would, roller coaster. Why would anybody? Like I, every time I'm in Vegas, and I see people, and I, I try to. I look at it, when they get off the New York, New York ride, I try mm -hmm. to look at them and, and see what type of person <laughs> would subject themselves to do something like that voluntarily. Tyler Zander. I, I had a bad experience on that. My first time in Vegas they, went, went to the bar and a few other locations and then decided, Hey, a roller coaster is a good idea. It's a bad it idea. It's, it was not. It's really dangerous times, but there will be no roller coasters at Harvard town. It is a tight track. It is a different test. It's a strong field and we're going to get there, but I want to talk specifically about this course. A lot of times uh, I allude to on, the, on this very show about it's kind of a sliding scale. You've got the bomber heavy courses. You've got the crazy technical course. Then you have a bunch in between. To me, this might be the most one-sided course of them all. We've seen it time and time again. You just can't really dominate off the tee. It doesn't mean being further down there isn't good. But talk to me about Harbortown and specifically some of the skill sets you see this week. Yeah, so Harbortown, for those who don't know, uh, another Pete Dye design. So we're looking at some of the similarities. Trees in the middle of fairways. Uh, you have some, uh, some smaller greens, I would say, uh, kind of similar, a la TPC Sawgrass in that regard. But huge difference in terms of like, it's a tactician type golf course. It's, it's something where you're going to be maneuvering your golf ball with a two iron and three wood off of tee boxes. One thing that really stood out to me last year, I was watching a little bit of Stewart sync because I had a DVR for whatever reason. I was going through the DVR and I was like, I, I know I have random golf stuff that I DVR from time to time, but I was rewatching Stewart sinks final round. There are so many three woods and four irons that you're hitting off of tee boxes throughout this entire golf course. It's very short, very tight in those kind of regards. Not a whole lot of fairways being hit, but uh, the, the rough isn't overly penable. What happens is you can't necessarily get close to the hole from some of those locations on these smaller greens. So uh, as, as small and flat as what they are, there's going to be still some, some priority that I have towards iron players. 
guys who just have phenomenal course history out here who see this golf course routinely, but bombers like DJ four for four here, a uh, guy that we talked about a little bit this morning, just, you know, quickly on the petting video where he has good hit course history. And then you get guys like Webb Simpson, who's elite beyond elite, who's more of that tactician type player. And then my favorite player at the top of the board, Colin Morikawa, where it's just like, Oh, iron players, they just stick out in spades uh, for, for a lot of this because it's just maneuvering your golf ball to the appropriate portion of land in order to get it close to holes. So, yeah, this is where I think it's important, or at least this is how I view it. DJ has played here, and, yes, he has found the weekend every time, and he's been fine. He hasn't been elite. A lot of, like, T20, give or takes. He's doing that to me in spite of his off the tee abilities, not because of it. That's the reason like Dustin Johnson could play at any course and play fine and play well, but it's not the best for his skill set. And as you work down, some guys only have certain skills. And I think if, if you're only out as off the tee here, it could be tough to me. Of course, the iron and putting combo is what you want. The, the one wrinkle I want to ask you about, this is a slightly stronger field than we normally see 25 of the top, uh world's 50 i believe are here yep. in the past i mean here's the last five winners wesley Bryan, satoshi ct pan webb simpson and stewart saying it's not exactly murderers row do you still think that it's pretty wide open or do you say that because we have justin thomas because we've got camp smith dj morikawa it's more of a traditional stronger field event then we have to take notice of that well you have to because the the fields you just list off a lot of players and Nobody saw a field like we have this week. Um, we have five of the top 10 in the world. I can't remember an RBC Heritage going back to 2020. Obviously, you had pandemic season in 2021. Uh, you know, there's, there's just certain guys that, that stick out as guys for this golf course because of that combination of iron play putting. And we've even seen poor putters. Your boy Grio made a run here once upon a time last year. Uh, doesn't that feel like five years ago? Um, it feels like more than the masters feels like a year and a half ago. So like, yes, <laughs> uh, Grio last year truth. Mm-hmm. We'll get to him. Let's start at the top though. Okay. We, we got, we got names. Justin Thomas is the only guy North of 11, 11,100 cam Smith, DJ Morikawa and Cantlay. I guess you could call them the big five North of 10 K. I think you can make a reasonable case for all of them as you can. When you're talking about the elite players, I like Cantlay with the price savings or I'll go all the way to the top with JT but talk to me about how you evaluate the, the five best players in the field. Yeah, it's a bummer that Morikawa is the highest known out of the 10K range because I think his skill set is just so, so perfect for this type of a golf course. It's just flat. It's something where iron play, where you're not having to make massive adjustments to things. He's as accurate as it gets. He's not a bomber necessarily, but he's somebody that can be so specific in terms of his lines, in terms of, you know, once he gets it in play, he's going to be the best guy in the field with the approach. I mean, it just sticks out in such a strong way for me. Third stroke can approach in the last 50, second in the last 75. Everything sticks out for Colin Morikawa to succeed here. Plus, I think the putting's been a little bit better than what people have been giving it credit for. I thought he putted pretty well at the Masters um, for, for what that's worth, even though we don't have all of the data there. We've seen second or his second at the Genesis, 6.8 strokes gain putting there, fifth at the century, 0.4 CJ Cup going back to last year, 3.8. Yeah, he didn't putt very well at the Valspar or the players, but you get out of Florida, new change of pace, played well here last year. It's unfortunate that he's the highest owned guy. I'm still having a tough time knowing exactly what I want to do because part of me just wants to jam because of how good I think this spot is for him. And it allows for me to build a little bit more uh, stronger lineup, should I say, top to bottom, than going up to a JT at 11-1. I do think it's going to be something where you want to get to this 9K range quite a bit. You want to get to this 8K range quite a bit because of how strong the field is. 25 of the top 50, it just makes sense. And I think it's easier for me to start with Morikawa, but so does the field. So I'm not going to push back. Morikawa sets up well, hits a ton of fairways, incredible irons. Around the green is weak, but he masks it uh, because of his irons being so good. The putter is the one that I, I just don't know about. He seems, and I have no idea the difference between Carolina, Bermuda, and Florida, Bermuda, but Bermuda in general is not his preferred surface right now. No. He has struggled in Florida. He has struggled here on the greens. He's only played here twice, but he lost... Two and a half strokes putting in both of those. 
uh, stops here. So he's going to need to flip that to win probably. But he's Colin Morikawa. He made strides at the Masters, uh, big strides, and he knows what he's doing. So I get it. I do slightly lean to Cantlay. He was an uneventful uh, Augusta showing, but he gains across the board. He's been very good here. I think that's a pretty safe spot. I want to ask you specifically about DJ, though. Mm-hmm. He's played here never with great success, but he also has some experience. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday where does he fall or is it just not someone that you think you're getting to so dj kind of falls in the bryson category where i don't think people realize how good of a putter he is like you think of him as the bomber the guy who aims it out left and just hits that big cut across i i will say it's something that brandel chambly's talked about a little bit and he's not the stalwart of somebody that i want to go and get all of my analysis (laughs) from but some late night drinks were had with my buddies and we were watching some of his takes about dustin johnson and why he might have been struggling in recent weeks, even though he played well at the match play, why that might have set up well for him. He seems to have a little bit of a two-way miss going with the driver right now. Taking driver out of his hand right now seems to be maybe an okay thing. The strokes gained approach have been middle of the pack. or you know, It's always going to be a little bit better than average when you talk about a guy like DJ, who's a world-class player. But the thing I really point to is his ability to just be consistent off the tee when he's not hitting driver right now. And to just massively gain in terms of putting seventh and strokes gain putting over his last 50 rounds. So I feel pretty good in this field coming up at 12th at the masters, decent enough showing, you know, I wish I had a little bit more of him there than, than, you know, some of the other guys that I did uh, round out my portfolio with, but uh, the players we saw at top 10, I don't really think about uh, the players being a spot where he would play that well. And, of course, he he annihilated that back nine with a 29, and that's kind of what everybody was pointing to before the Masters. But I'm pretty encouraged to see that, yeah, he has like flat putting weeks or, you know, a little bit negative, but he has these massive gain weeks. The players 5.4, the Tour Championship last year, 9.5, 5.8 at the BMW. He can really get hot in that department. He's a strong consideration. I prefer him uh, over Cam Smith. I prefer him over Patrick Cantley. So he'd be my second favorite in this range. Uh, well, actually third, Justin Thomas, but I don't think I'm going to get to him as much as I want. My final question, I ask you this every week because I think it's important to kind of paint the picture of how, how we may be building. Do you anticipate having Morikawa and DJ together? You know, JT and Cam- a- any combination of two north of 10 and then really going into the dumpster? I'm sure out of 150, I'll have a couple where you have that, you get one dumpster and then you build it up top. But this tournament, more than most, I feel like I'm only going to be able to play one guy in a majority of those lineups. If I'm hand building or if I'm hand building some lineups with skill sets, I find it difficult that I would be able to play both of them and feel very comfortable simply because of how strong this field is. 25 of the top 50 is not something to be overlooking. There's guys that I think have really strong skill sets in the 9K in Connors and Berger and Shane Lowry, who is just annihilated this spot. So I feel pretty secure in saying that 10K, 9K, and then 8K is going to be a start for most of my lineups. Let's talk about the 9Ks because these guys are, are no joke either. You easily can start here with Shane Lowry at 98. You've got Connors, Berger, Fitzy, who is playing really well, Sunjay, Spieth, Neiman, and Henley. Honestly, I think that a ton of ownership is going to be dispersed amongst the eight. You've already mentioned Lowry and Berger. I know you bet Berger. You can go to Odd Shop or YouTube if you want to see all our betting picks. Film that this morning. Fitzy's a guy that I like, but he's going to be very popular. So how do you break down this range and how low are you willing to start with? Um, I'm willing to start pretty much all the way. Uh, I could start with Waco, but I, I doubt I will just because of how much I like Berger. Um, Berger's just a guy that I'm going to be playing a lot of. And Corey Connors as well. The skill sets just match up so strongly to this golf course. Matthew Fitzpatrick is garnering the most attention. Maybe I do cover him with a bet. And, you know, I, I'm going to probably play, a, I'm going to play him in DFS regardless. It's just a question of, I don't think I can get north of like 25, 
I can get north of 25, 30% on an 11.5% on Daniel Berger. He had a terrible weekend. We talked about that this morning where it just makes a lot of sense to, to be firing on a guy that just is a tactician within his irons. That's, that's kind of how I think about Daniel Berger. His skill set is like perfect for this same way that I think about Matthew Fitzpatrick, but you're going to give me uh, a little bit lower ownership, half the ownership for Daniel Berger. That makes sense. Corey Connors, I'm surprised. I mean, it's 9,700 in a strong field, so a little bit different than what we had uh, going into the Masters where he was 7,600 in an obvious misprice. Um, but 9,700 is drastically different. I still like him quite a bit, and I want to get north of that 8.8%. I think Sung Jae just becomes a victim of the range where I prefer everybody above him. Spieth, everybody knows my feelings about him. I'm never going to be there in spades. And Joaquin Neiman, he's an all right play, but Russell Henley is a guy that I think I prioritize a little bit more at 9K. Once again, this is just like a prototypical golf course for a lot of these guys in this 9K range. You could start your lineups with two. I don't know about three. You could maybe start with three if you really, if you found the guy, Um, but it's, it's just such a loaded range. If you do three, uh, you're going to obviously have to punt the 10K range, but you, you can absolutely do that. Uh, Lowry and Berger and Fitzy to me are probably the best all-around plays, the safest plays. They check most of the boxes. The form is good. It's the right setup, the right skill set. All of them gain, uh, you know, particularly off the tee without being overly long. Fitzy's, you know, the catalyst for this. Five top 15s in his last six. I think it's all systems go. To me, the toughest one is Spieth. I do like the price. I think he's probably a pretty solid tournament play just because, you know, he's Jordan Spieth. I just don't know what we're going to get in so many different facets. Bermuda's not his preferred surface. He sprays it off the tee at times. He can work in and out of trouble, but you really can't be messing around too much here. You're going to get yourself into real trouble. And then Neiman, I think he's so good that he can mask uh, what I don't think is the best course for him. He went ballistic with the irons in his lone Mm -hmm. appearance here. If you do that, you're going to be successful, but he gets a lot of his strength off the tee. So we'll see. Priorities for me would be Fitzy, Berger, and then I probably open it up. Uh, I think Connor's probably squeezed for me. I mm-hmm. like him, but I just don't want to pay 9700 Yeah, I will say he's the worst putter of the range, and I don't think it's close. So maybe that's maybe the knock we can draw. Um, I mean, Jordan Spieth hasn't been good with the putter in, in some recent golf tournaments, San Antonio specifically. Not necessarily good at the Masters either, even though we don't have all that data. And Joaquin Neiman, uh, it, it's been better, but not going to traditionally be a great putter. Maybe Corey Connors is the guy that you can write off a little bit because of that. But ball striking wise, he could just go out and have 16 looks at birdie, you know, from inside 20 feet. And you could be really fighting an uphill battle there for multiple rounds of golf on a pretty benign golf course uh, compared to most, I would say, just in terms of uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, trouble lurking off the tee anywhere. So uh, maybe other guys can be strong in that department too in this 9K range. You just want the hot iron players, the hot putters, and Daniel Berger, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. They definitely, I, I think we're both uh, in lockstep on those two guys. Absolutely. Uh, these are good courses for them. Uh, Berger, you know, a dual winner at TPC South, which I don't think is a huge comp, but I do see some similarities. So I absolutely get that. Let's move to the 8K range. Then I'm going to tell you after we do the 8Ks about some of the things we got going on here at Awesome. But 8,800 Webb Simpson, Billy Ho, frustrating masters. Ty Hatton, super frustrated at Augusta. HV3, Siwoo, Norrin, Fleetwood played well. I, I don't think this is nearly as strong as the nines, but I absolutely think these are guys that we need to talk about, starting with Webb Simpson. Yeah, Webb Simpson has unbelievable course history here for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, Former winner, former just a murderer's row uh, out here. I mean, what is he's got the win in 2020, second in 2013, eight top 20s, was in contention pretty much every single time he tees it up here. I I think, are are you, have you come around, he's healthy? Are, Are we feeling decent about his health now? I definitely don't think that Webb is playing the best golf of his career by any stretch, but he is certainly to a point where I'm saying, okay, he's playing week after week. He does seem that it's a non-issue on the, on the injury front that I can tell. Well, then we have to be buying him a little bit on this golf course. I don't think you can write him off by any means. This is a guy that just has proven that regardless of form over the course of eight years of a sample size or 10 years of a sample size, 
you're going to have good form. You're going to have poor form coming into certain golf courses, but this one just sets up perfect for him. He doesn't have to unleash a ton of drivers, a lot of three woods. Uh, you know, he carries that extra hybrid where he hits that off of a lot of those tees. I remember uh, I was watching some footage of him uh, on 16, that short little par four dog leg left going into 17, 18, where it's just so wide open for or 18 specifically, just a wide fairway for him allows for him to play a little bit of a tactician there. I like Webb Simpson here. That shouldn't surprise anybody. He's sub 10%. Kind of checks every box for a great tournament play, uh, as well as Tyrrell Hatton, who I saw pump three left. I thought he hit all three OB at the Masters on number 10 as I was watching him. And uh, he was playing alongside my boy Sam Burns, and somehow he made the cut and Sam Burns didn't. That was the apocalypse. But Tyrrell Hatton is a little bit lower on than what I was anticipating him being in this range. He's sub 15% still, and I, I think he's a very strong buy in the upper eights as well. I'd agree. I think that, uh, to me, I don't really care what he did at Augusta. He made the cut, and that was all he did. Uh, I had him on, <laughs> on some of my teams. And and, and you're like, moi, moi, moi. I mean, him, him and Homa maybe combined gave me like 10 points on the weekend. It was just, it wasn't happening. But he doesn't like Augusta. He said as much. He's a good player. 86 is a good price. I don't think ownership is going to be a huge factor. I'm going to say the same thing about Tommy Fleetwood, though. Tommy Fleetwood is getting it together. The irons are back. The results are coming. 14th at the Masters, 16th at Valspar, 22nd at the Players. Gaining across the board. He's 55-1 to 1 in the outright market. He's on the ticket for me. I think there's a fine course for him. Uh, him and Norin, I, I, what's not to like? Nothing. We like them both. Yeah. Norin signed me up for all the Norin and all the land as well. This is your boy. This is, I mean, I think it was actually San Antonio or was it San? No, it was the Byron Nelson when you called out that he was flat out going to be your boy going forward, <laughs> but he was my boy on the European tour. For those who don't know, the man puts the golf ball. Like you would not believe he has this really crazy routine that he goes through to, to get to the golf ball. But now we're seeing some form top, uh, top six at Phoenix. Uh, 5th at Honda, 12th at Valspar, 26th at the Players. Consistent, fantastic. This is what I'm talking about, where I just say that this golf tournament is just loaded, and this is why it's so hard to double up in the 10s, because roster construction just demands that there are so many good players in the 9s. There's so many good players in the in the 8s that it's so hard for me to not say that a guy like Alex Norton isn't a priority for me this week. He just kind of is. He fits the bill in every single regard. Sub 16%, not one of the best plays in terms of leverage in the top golfers tool, which I've been using more and more in my process. I think you should all be too, because it just, it, it does a great job of giving you a, a, an overview of every single player in every single range. You can look at them respectful, uh, respectful. What am I trying to say? Re in respect to everybody else in that range. And I think that he's just a guy at 8,300. Yes. Negative 7.8% leverage, but I think he's very live for a top five here. He's got some unbelievable form here lately. Give me a lot of it. Yeah, and, and that's why that tool is so useful. It's not about one guy. It's about the six guys together. And one of them maybe can have negative leverage if you fully leverage somewhere else and you still have that path. It, it doesn't mean that Noren's going to play terrible. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think he's going to play very well. He's just not going to be the difference maker in terms of separating your lineup from a unique standpoint. HV3 for me is tough. He feels overpriced. This is a great course for him, not just because he came in second last year. This is just the type of course that he excels at. OHL, he was fifth and sixth. The players, he was sixth. Wyndham, he was seventh. The players, he was seventh. He's had a ton of finishes on these kind of, you know, technical second shot. Don't need to get crazy off the tee. I, if I play enough teams, you know, in a tournament setting, he's in the pool. Absolutely. Prefer Hatton, prefer Norin though. Yeah, I prefer both of them too, but going back to the top golfer's tool, the only golfer in the 8K range with positive leverage is Harold Varner III. And I get so that. Yeah. It, it makes sense. He's an Eastern Carolina guy. This is his kind of, uh, he's from Charlotte originally. The Carolinas are kind of his jam. Uh, you know, Coming off a win in Europe that I think is going to set him up for years and years to come here, pretty secure status in terms of just having somewhere to play going long-term, that can open you up on the PGA Tour here a little bit. He's always gotten himself into contention in, in some of these spots. Kind of a great first-round leader bet uh, week in, week out, but uh, hasn't, always gotten, uh, hasn't always gotten it going on the weekend. Eventually, variance happens, and that just changes, and he's going to be a guy that you want to be invested in. So I, I understand it. I prioritize both of those two as well, but it's so easy to get positive leverage on a guy who's 5% who just shouldn't be. 
Last guy in the eights, and then we'll talk about the upper sevens. What are you doing with Kisner? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 right now, he's my write-off of the 8K range, and I don't feel good okay. about it. Feels uncomfortable. Do you, he's like a top 30 player in the world right now in the official World Golf rankings. And I, I guess, I mean, obviously, that's buoyed on Austin Country Club, which by all definitions, he kind of owns at this point. Uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable, his record there. But 15%, man, this, is, this feels like the guy that I'm going to be fading this weekend, which is very uncomfortable because he feels like he fits the, the tactician-type build. But you look at his all-around numbers, ball striking-wise, 117th. Uh, strokes gained there, uh, approach 112th. I mean, he is just such a short game du jour guy. I think you have to kind of say, all right, if these small greens are playing tricky, if maybe it's the wind blows and, and you have some of these spots where you have to be scrambling to make some pars, I think Kevin Kistner makes that great prototypical build with some other uh, up and down specialists, the like of like a, like a Cantley, if you were to go to him, if you go to Kucher in the upper sevens, I think that those kind of guys who are just remarkable, remarkable around the green makes sense. But he is so hard for me to want to build uh, into some of my builds for this golf tournament where I'm really prioritizing iron play. So I, I think he's just a victim of everybody else that I like in the AK range. I get it. I could go either way with him. Lineup construction will probably determine it. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday new on curiosity stream how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production could napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future and how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet james burke's visionary series connections returns for a new generation Experience all new connections with monthly annual and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. He's a winner. Kevin Kisner shows up and he he reminds me of Kevin Na in that regard. They win more than they should when they don't have it. It's almost certainly a miscut. They don't grind out a lot. Their stats are all over the map and they can flip the switch either direction at any time, which is why it's pretty dangerous. Again, Fleetwood and Norrin for me get Kisner, but he's not the priority upper sevens. We go, but if like a lot of people out there, you're more of a, I know you guys like PGA and as do I, but say you like a little baseball or say you don't, but you kind of want to get into it. We have extended. I didn't know we were going to do this, but I've, I've been told we're extending our promo called fastball for a couple more days. So we have a promo where you can get the express MLB pass for $1, one single dollar it's going to set you up with player rankings ownership rankings lineup builder and of course you can get in our discord you're going to use the promo code fastball all one word at the checkout page or simply click the link in the video description you can come on in i don't mess around with too much baseball but you do do you not i do i it was so great to be back in the baseball street starting sunday uh obviously i missed opening day because you know it was a little busy walking augusta national felt like a good trade-in um but uh it is 80% off is quite a deal. That's good. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a dollar. It's a dollar. That's all I have to say. Even if you don't like baseball, let me tell you our tools, when it comes to baseball, the top pitchers tool, the top stacks tool, I hadn't looked at any baseball came out and got third in the main iteration of the, the mini on, on DK. So, uh, came right out of the gate with a nice one K win just to start off the baseball season. So, you know, even, even somebody who hadn't looked at baseball whatsoever for three days was able to jump back on the bike, do a show, and all of a sudden, you know, put myself in contention. That's how good the tools are. I love it. And you can get in again, get in our premium Discord. And then from there, we want you to sign up for the betting package. I bet baseball today. I'll get people, uh, I bet the Reds. What'd you bet? Oh. I bet the Reds. They play uh, Cleveland, four o'clock, round of toss up. Reds, put it on the board. Uh, <laughs> why not? All right, let's talk about these sevens. We've got Maverick, Kevin Knott, Matt Kuchar, who I, I do think will be popular given the recent form. And then just the fact that this is a good course for Mito's a wild card, Harmon, Hoagie, Hadwin. These are names that should fit this course. So again, 
you got to prioritize Coke Rack as well. Where are you drawn in the upper sevens? I hope my wife's listening because my highest owned golfer, she's not listening to me. Let's be serious. But if she is, my highest owned golfer this week, without a doubt, is going to be Kevin Na in the upper sevens. Kevin Na is going to be, I I don't know if he's going to be the push the chips all the way in the middle, Steve Stricker at at the John Deere like I had last year, which... Uh, it went very good and then it went very poorly on Sunday. What? You that was, I, I forgot about that, but he was like 6K. Yeah, it was like way underpriced on a golf course. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if you're 50, you're that. Steve Stricker and you own this track. And he was like top 15 going into Sunday and then it just was bad. But um, just it kind of fizzled on the entire weekend. But Kevin Na, the reason that I'm not going to land on Kevin Kistner is because if you're going to give me them where, where one's going to be the other one, Kevin Na's the better iron player between the two, and I don't think it's remotely close. Kevin Kisner, let's just recap. So 44th at the Masters, I don't know what that looks like. We don't have the strokes gained data, but Valspar lost half a shot with the irons. The players lost two and a half, finished fourth there because he's apparently Jesus around the greens. We have Arnold Palmer lost 2.3 there. He's only been positive in one golf tournament in his last six, throwing out Austin Country Club, which doesn't count. Uh, Not a very good iron player comparatively. and. You look at a guy like Kevin Na, and we always know how unbelievably he is around the green, led last season in strokes gained around the green. You know, he's always going to be top five in that kind of a department. Other than the Arnold Palmer, where he lost 3.9, the Genesis, he was positive. Sony Open, he finished 20th, gained 5.4. He was better than Kisner, who played better at Sony than he did. But Century, 2.5. I mean, we're talking about a guy that can blend the two together. He had two very outlier uh, performances with strokes gain around the green at the Arnold Palmer and the Genesis. He's of course going to miss cuts when that happens, but upper sevens, I think he's my favorite golfer to be getting to. If he plays poorly this weekend, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm going to of course land on Maverick McNeely because he is my boy. This is going to be, those are going to be two guys that I am really, really depending on, not just to beat Kuchar, but to carry a lot of my 10 K lineups. I definitely think it's important that they beat Kuchar. I, I'm not opposed to them. You like them far more than I do. Kevin Na is a volatile player. He's a winner. He wins tournaments. He's going to bleed off the tee. If he survives, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape. His off the tee game is weak, and this is going to, in some capacity, highlight that. But it'll also mitigate it in the sense he doesn't need to be aggressive mm-hmm. off the tee, and that can really help him. I like Brian Harmon. I think that he's okay. fine. Uh, same skill set again, not a priority, but I'm just comfortable landing in this range and seeing what it gives me. Maverick to me is the most talented of the entire bunch potential upside, but I I think you have enough there where you can look to the stability with Harmon. You could look for the upside with nah, there is one other name though, a little further down and that's Cameron young, Hmm. who we just don't know about. He's crushed off the tee. He hasn't faced this course. He's did not play well at the masters, but it's the masters. Do you just say, you know what, I'm going to take, you know, some lumps here and there, because I know when, when this guy's on, it's that good. And at 7,500, it's a buy, or do you say, I'm not messing around at, at heritage with a guy we just don't know much about. Oh yeah. No, we're, we're playing Cameron young. And I, okay. I bet him hundred to one. Uh, we talked about that this morning as well. Check out those odd shopper videos. It's really important that you understand that yeah, I think you kind of inherently are going to be betting guys and playing guys in DFS that you like both times, but there's always got to be sensitivity to price. I think 100 to 1 as opposed to, you know, 7,500, they're both just fantastic numbers to be buying on. And, you know, you look at some of the other numbers you're getting for like a Webb Simpson 8,800 or so guys that, you know, might be popular in both regards. It's like, I'll just take the 100 to 1, I'll take them at 7,500, complete, completely unowned. I think that you're looking at uh, a number of other guys in this range. I think Ian Poulter kind of fits the bol- the mold of somebody who might play well here, even though the form hasn't been as good. But I will say I've played Riviera a number of times and I've never played at RBC Heritage. I've never played here, um, but I, I'm pretty positive that it's flat in the same way that this is. And there's also Cameron Young, if we remember watching that Riviera round, he had a lot of three woods and that stinger two iron off of tee boxes everywhere. I think that this could be a sneaky, sneaky good spot for him. Um, I, I feel pretty confident rolling the dice on him. I like him more than I like uh, some of the more known guys that have played well this season. I think Tom Hoagie is going a little bit overowned. I do like Streelman. I think his skill set fits well here as well. Um, but uh, Cameron Young, sub 5%, give me all of that you got. That's an interesting take because I certainly don't think of, of Riviera as a comp course, but... 
there are some some crossover again small samples but like neiman mm-hmm. really good here winner of course morikawa doesn't count because he's just fantastic but even a guy like ct pan ct pan mm-hmm. this is a great course for him he was ninth at, at genesis this year yeah. so that's i'm telling you it's very flat like riviera other than the t-box on one hitting down to the bottom and 18 you get like a little rise in the fairway it's a completely flat iron player golf course that is interesting i'm gonna look a little more and then again tomorrow night of course live before lock we'll talk about the tea time splits the weather get egregious hot takes make the cuts you know how it goes uh <laughs> hadwin yeah i think he's solid kind of in the Harmon bucket for me now, to me, after Cameron Young, now it gets serious. It starts to get pretty dicey. A lot of plays, a lot of risk. Luke List, Fratelli, Merritt, Munoz, Knox, McCarthy, Wise. I mean, the, the low sevens are littered with guys that are sure to be body bagged on Friday. But <laughs> there is also guys that if they get it going, watch out. Because I think there's some dangerous names. Who are you looking at? Probably more in a tournament setting than in cash viable. I think McCarthy's cash viable. But other than that, I don't see a ton of stability. Yeah, if you didn't like Denny McCarthy this week, I wouldn't really know what to do with you because you've been on the Denny McCarthy train. This feels like the best spot for him out of this entire season, doesn't it? I mean, he's just been he he's made more than nine out of 10 cuts. He's only missed one cut this year. He hasn't his second. He missed a cut at Phoenix. And then his last missed cut before that was back. Uh, I can't even do the months. It was so long. It was like Halloween. (laughs) It's been ridiculous. He gains off, uh, off the tee eh, a little bit. He gains with the putter every single week and tier that's going to serve him quite well. You know, who doesn't game with the putter every single week? Russell wise. Oh, Oh, him too. There's multiple answers. He's your boy, but Aaron wise, I guess I should really work on the timing of that because and let you actually speak as opposed to talking no. over you when I ask you a question. But Aaron Wise, <laughs> sub sub 5K, quack, quack, everybody. This is a guy that cannot putt, but we've seen bad putters do pretty well here. Again, very small greens. Comes down to making a lot of 10, 12 footers because if you're going to be on the green period, you're going to have a lot of 10, 12 footers just where they put some of these pins. You know, they, they kind of funnel back towards things. Not terribly hard around the green uh, for some of these guys. Again, I don't really want to be building towards a, a lot of the skill set of a Kevin Kisner. The big thing that I, that has me buying on Kevin Na is he can be good around the green. The main thing that has me buying on Aaron Wise is he can just go out and stripe it, and he's decent around the greens. He's a little bit above average compared to everybody else in this field, and it's a very strong field. The putter is always the question mark, and it will always be the question mark, but he's 7,100. It's priced down in a way where I find it hard not to just be – snagging every share I can. He's another one of those sub 5% guys that I'm coupling with the likes of, you know, a sub 10% Denny McCarthy, a sub 5% Cameron Young. There's a lot of great tournament plays in the 7K range. Just kind of find your narratives and build towards skill sets. And I think you'll be just fine. Yeah, I definitely think these guys are in play for tournaments wise. He could just take you out of any tournament when he doesn't have it on the green. He's one of the worst. Russell Knox, same thing. Munoz is interesting. When you look at his recent form, you're saying, okay, he's kind of making cuts and doing nothing. It's a little misleading, though. He came in 33rd at the players. He was in the tournament coming into Monday, and he just completely unraveled. He was only a couple shots off the lead and really fell back. He's playing good golf. He can score. Tita Green is rock solid. Bermuda's preferred surface. I wouldn't mind going right back to Munoz and saying, you know, this is just a quality golfer in a range with a lot of question marks. And not only that, he's gaining attention. If you're going to be playing some lower owned guys, if you're going to be building with a Corey Connors and starting there at sub 10%, I think you just have to be playing a lot of Sebastian Munoz. He's the most secure guy. You talk about Denny McCarthy and cash. I mean, I, I strongly prefer uh, Sebastian Munoz okay. if you're just playing one, especially because you want to be trying to play a little bit of the ownership game in the inverse where you want the highest owned guy in this range so you don't get burned by a miscut most of the time. You know, uh, head to head, it doesn't really matter, but like 50 50 specifically, I would be playing Sebastian Munoz 100 out of 100 times over Denny McCarthy. Oh, let's not get crazy. 100 out of 100 times in cash. Again, I'm not playing cash, so I don't no, have I get to it. think about that kind of stuff. But Sebastian Munoz is just a guy that you should be coupling. If you have lower owned guys in the 9K range you're starting your builds with, if you're not playing Morikawa a lot, I mean, you've got to just find ways to reduce and not just have so much overlap with all the other lineups that look the exact same way. Sebastian Munoz needs to be a staple of your lineups. He's just 
consistently good. I, I think it goes without saying that under 7,500 uh, outside of Denny McCarthy is he your favorite play period on the board. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah, say same. so. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I like Knox. Uh, I think Troy Merritt's a good tournament play. Not going to get crazy there. Um, see, the chat doesn't agree with your Munoz takes. It's but absolutely I, who else is garnering any attention sub 7,500. He's the no, only I'm, guy. I'm not disagreeing. I, yeah, I, Mike Campbell just likes to argue with me about nonsense. It's all right. Tell him. You yeah, know who you're right. not playing? Give me in that cash? rake. I can confirm. If you even if you tried to do this, they would probably <laughs> you know say there's been unusual activity. Would be Ricky Fowler. Is he even playable at this point? It's, uh, this is your. I think he is unplayable. If I build, <sighs> say, I build thirty lineups, forty lineups, maybe like five percent if you want to splash i don't think that he is playable at this point other than let's in large field lottos what's the argument for playing ricky fowler he's low owned okay so he's like minutely owned okay. cj cup is a pretty bland golf course i wouldn't call this one bland i think there's outlier. a lot of character to it but that was a very large outlier but it was a stronger field i mean it was a wgc event for all intents and purposes so uh i don't really know what to say about that I don't think he's unplayable because of the irons. He's only lost in one of his last uh, in his last six. Everything else has been bad in terms of like, he's generally pretty good around the green, but off the tee has been miserable. Drivers neutralized a little bit out here. I'm trying to make the case for it just because if you're going to give me a 2% Ricky Fowler, if you all the storylines that have been around him here, it's not too long ago that he put up a top 10 at the PGA. It's not too long ago that he put up a top 12 at the Memorial. It's all within a calendar year. I wouldn't call him unplayable simply because driver has been a problem for him and he won't have to hit it if he doesn't want to out here. So you're, you're right in the sense that like when I say he's unplayable, I am going to play Ricky. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not how the word unplayable means. I know it was a bad choice of words. (laughs) I'm saying that there is really nothing in his skill set that, that has me directly looking at Ricky. I will probably have, five eight percent ricky just because i think my biggest argument is i still believe that there's a difference between someone who has done it ricky has uh conquered you know at the height of his powers he was a world-class player i don't expect that to to happen anytime soon i'm okay with it but i don't think i can really go there in any conceivable way because i would rather play davis riley at flat seven i would rather play aaron wise mccarthy all the guys we talked about so it, there's just really nothing that stands out. I think you're just drawing to Ricky finding something at this point. And I can't pay for, believe me, I held on for a while on three max, five max single entry. I think that would be misguided. One last guy before we get to the cheapies and then we'll bounce on out of here. Do you think this is, cause this is your guy. Do you think this is a good course for Thigala or is this not the right week? I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting. Cause I, I thought a lot about, Oh, oh I, I hate the word tout, but um, I thought about if I wanted to tout him here in this spot, Valspar seventh, it was great. Phoenix open third. Obviously that was, that was the real cash. I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I got the money that I was looking for out of the top five that we cashed at the Phoenix open with him. And I haven't bet him since I don't think I bet him at the Corrales. I, I want to take that back. I definitely bet him to win the Corrales, but I mean, obviously that was just, yeah, I had to, but I don't really think that I'm there this week. It's not that it's it's a terrible setup for him by any means. Uh, by all intents and purposes, seventy one hundred. You look at like a wise if he puts better than him, which he you know generally is going to. That's that's fine. But one of the things I really like about his golf game is the ability to just kind of find it on any given week and spike massive weeks. He could spike a massive week here and still finish outside the top ten because of how strong this field is. I feel like he's a guy who's going to really trounce some bad fields going forward. That feels like more of the build that I'm, I'm going to be looking to get Figala back into my lineups. I love the kid. I think he's going to be a stud long-term, but in college, he went out and just bashed people's brains in. And at the amateur level here in Southern California, playing against him in amateur qualifying, I'm just like, this guy's an absolute God, but he hits a lot of wayward shots out of the middle of nowhere. I think you can get away with it. Some spots, this one, you know, you kind of want to keep it inside the tree line still. And I, I think there's enough wayward golf shots in his arsenal still that I'm going to be buying in on, on fields where he can just go out and trounce people. This doesn't feel like one of them. Yeah, I'm not really there. Again, I, I've already mentioned plenty of guys. 
couple questions we have from chat. Uh, first one, can you limit the cheap owned guys, to just the guys that you would bet yourself? So I, I may be not understanding the question. If I'm not, uh, let me know. But if you're asking, like, is it only the guys who are bettable? Betting and DFS, they obviously dovetail, but there are certain guys that I think are much better bets and then certain guys that I think are much better plays just because betting is about win equity and DFS mm-hmm. is about, you know, kind of medium outcomes. And that's our tools and odd chopper kind of show you the difference there. So I think that's part of the process. But if you're if you're talking about the cheapies that I would bet, they would be slightly different than the guys that I would put in some of my lineups. I, I 100% agree with that. And um, I'll take it even a step further because, you know, if we, just in a scenario sense, let's just talk about Bryson in, in some kind of yeah. a capacity last year when he was like, six to one or eight to one in a number of golf tournaments, whether it was Detroit or or other spots, you had so many other guys. Did I expect them to beat Bryson? No, I didn't. But when you're giving me 25, 30 to one on a Kevin Kisner or somebody else in some of those weaker fields, do I think Kisner beats him a majority of the time? No, but I'm getting so many opportunities over the course of playing that scenario out a hundred times that I'm just going to take the value. So I'm very value driven in the way that I bet. I very ever, uh, very rarely ever bet short uh, odds guys just because I don't think there's much value to get there. People love to bet favorites in everything, golf included. So I'm always looking for value. Daniel Berger was the first guy I started my card with. We had kind of entertained the idea. I am going to end up betting Colin Morikawa. I'm kind of convinced that I'm going to do that, especially if I'm not going to play 30 plus percent in DFS. Um, I, I just feel like I want to get paid off uh, by a big week out of him in some capacity. So, so many ways of doing it, but we are trying to extract the most money possible. It's not about being right. It's about being paid when you recognize that there's value there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sam had just said, you would have to look at different books. Yes. What you need to do is go oddchopper.com. It does it for you. It's totally mm-hmm. free. You will find the best number. And that's one of the many features that it has. We're just rolling it out for the golf world, but it's free for right now. Go to odd shopper, not just odd shopper, YouTube, but oddshopper.com. Uh, definitely value-based approach. Let's get to the six K range. Let's do it. We've got some names for sure. Lanto, Bo Hostler, Nate Lashley was brought up by chat. He is kind of playing pretty good golf. Grio is unplayable. Unplayable would be the word. Uh, I still may play him, but no, I actually think <laughs> I will have 0% of him. Cause he's that bad right now. What are you doing in the upper sixes? Oh man, I'm sorry. He is. I mean, I actually am not sure if I can even play him. Yeah, I can play Lando Griffin. I can really play oh, Joel Dahman. Uh, Lanto Griffin, 6,800. Oh yeah, I'm going to play some Lanto Griffin. I will say this golf course should open it up at the bottom of this range to have one or two of these guys contend. And yeah, contend. If they were playing Augusta National, if they were playing a US Open, it would hard to say... I think Lanto Griffin or Joel Dahman are going to contend, but this is something where anybody is a hot putting week and a decent iron week away from really contending. I think Bo Hostler fits the bill, but now he's garnering 5%. That's the most in the range. I'm going to bet him. I bet him almost every single week, and that's just kind of how I've gone about my Bo Hostler business. I'm sure I'll definitely play some at 6,800, but the only guy I think I'm going to get carried away with in this range is Joel Dahman. Um, I, I think he's going to be just in 10% plus on my lineups automatically, no matter what can really spike in terms of Zions. He had the win equity in terms of, uh, the Corrales last year, not really a comp whatsoever here in this regard, but coastal track, if you want to call it as such, uh, can be so good in terms of the strokes gain approach. The putter is definitely the bugaboo and around the green game, but I think that's neutralized on, on flat golf greens. And so, uh, Joel Dahman, He's going to be my Emiliano Grio. We'll just substitute the names because they do a I'm lot of the name. same similar stuff. Yeah, they used to uh, <laughs> when it was just the putter. So I, I get it. I, I think this is where lineup construction is really important because if mm. I was looking for safety, and that's a relative word in the 6K range, I think Nate Lashley would be the guy I would actually go to. He's made four straight cuts. Everything looks solid. If I was going for – and Lanto probably would be that. If I was looking for home run possible winners – it would be Snedeker who went, I don't even know what to say about his last time out. It was the, the most anti-Snedeker thing I've ever seen. He lost 5.2 strokes putting and gained 11 T to green. That just doesn't make sense at all. I think Cam Davis forced the club down. He's shown that he actually likes that. When you look at the splits on some of his best finishes, they've been at technical tracks like Honda, like Sony, like Sentry. Uh, Sentry's a bad example, but the other two count. So 
I, I absolutely think that you could look to him at 6,800. Now we're starting to get pretty thin. How low are you willing to go? Tyler Duncan, 6,200. baby. Yeah, I think T Dunks is in play. And also a guy that there's some positive leverage with top six potential of 2.7% or 2.9% in the uh, top golfers tool. I think that's decent. I'm probably going to mostly be in that upper sixes. I mean, JT Poston, everybody knows my stupid love affair. I don't even know why I like this guy, but I do. Yeah, me neither. Brant Snedeker, same kind of deal. They're basically, you know, he's Brant Snedeker is the version of JT Poston that's won a lot more. So that's cool. Um, I think Joel Dahman definitely going to be the guy that I get to the most. I mean, he's got a 5.1% chance of finishing top six here in this range. Really, the top golfers tool has been the thing I rely on most in terms of the 6K range. That's been a really big change in my process over the last month, talking with Greg Ehrenberg, who I do a ton of NBA and MLB shows with. And we've just really talked about how to integrate the tools in golf into our large field approach. And it's been profitable. It's been a very strong change. Now, I haven't banked anything yet, and that would be very fun in the near future. Golf. But uh, yay golf. But uh, I think that this is really the approach I want to take with some of these guys. Carlos Ortiz is popping in the top golfers tool, specifically in that 6K range. I want to find leverage. And, you know, there's no better place than, than using our tools to integrate in large field tournaments than this 6K range. So I, I definitely would agree that when you talk about the best golfers in the world, there's only so much tools can really show it because if they bring their A game, no matter where they're playing, they can kind of just trump everything but when you get to the 6k range the tools that that the team has put together they help to identify edges that specifically suit these guys at these specific courses and that is such an important part of my process as well doug gim was brought up he's he's always got some upside and we saw it at the players but he's missed four or five cuts outside of the players he's been absolutely terrible it's almost like a ricky like thing where he has one big finish everything else around it is awful I'm not really there at 6,900. I'd rather play the guys we mentioned. I don't think T-Dunks is that crazy if you need someone at 62. I really don't. I would throw out Streb for the same type okay. of thing. I don't think it's that insane. But at the same time, how often do you think we need to go there? Probably somewhat infrequently. Yeah, T-Dunk, we know that he can be a great off-the-tee guy. And there's just some some random weeks where if you need to pull uh, out of your rabbits had a top 15 top 20 he's at least had the potential of doing that over the course of the last two three years he won the rsm in 2019 so i mean we're talking about a guy that i think we have to just consider as the cheapest guy on the board that i would get to and that's that's really the only reason that you said as low as i would go i will definitely have shares of him in 150 yeah if i if i double jam north of 10 uh I might get there. I, I just don't know how necessary it'll be. I looked at Henrik Stenson quite a bit. I'll be honest at 65. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at Jim Furyk, which made me feel I didn't know really he was in the field. He's in Where the field. Is he? Yeah. Jim Furyk, 6,300. I had looked at him for a long time this morning. I didn't go as nuts because one of the things I wanted to do was say top 10, but uh, he's been playing primarily a champions tour. It's been the first time in a while. He played the Sony open top four, uh, top 50. So made a cut was through there. I honestly think Jim Furyk is live to make a cut. Now, is that going to be enough? I think I'd take Tyler Duncan there. But Jim Furyk, if you're going to see a 50-plus-year-old dude go out and win a golf course here in, on, on the PGA Tour, it's going to be like this or the John Deere where they just you know can kind of maneuver the ball around and make a ton of birdies. I, I think Jim Furyk is a guy I might actually click the name of a couple of times. Uh, you're yeah. a bold. That is bold. I mean, it's no bolder than playing – Tyler Duncan, if we have to do that. Uh, so I get it. There are some names down here, little things, tea time stacks, who they're playing with. Mm -hmm. They might determine where we're at. You're not playing Steven Yeager, are you? No. Are you I, playing, I'm so, are, I hate this man. And I, are, no offense to his family, but I hate this man. All right. Give me a couple last things before we get out of here. Yay or nay, Luke Donald. I mean, not, the word is not yay. It's more like meh. 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 Okay, yeah. Luke Donald, meh, Wesley Bryan. Yay. Takumi Kanaya. No. Morgan Hoffman. Did you see no. he's back? I'm Morgan Hoffman's playing? No, he's not. He's oh, here. my God. Morgan Hoffman is in the field. Are you kidding me? He is. Do not play him, obviously, but that is going to be a wild story. If everybody doesn't read the article about him from Golf I've been Digest. Eating grapes. No joke. I, I haven't had a grape in like 20 years. I've been eating more grapes because of Morgan Hoffman. So shout out. Sure, he's a friend of the show. Daniel uh, Rappaport. He's uh, good people. 
good, good people. stuff. Lahiri week. That's a perfect way to go out here. I think that's fine. The problem is he's in a in much more competitive range. He's not at the min or anything close to it. He's at 7,100. So he has to beat Kazai or Wise, Thigala, McCarthy, Ricky, Riley. This is CD Pan. A lot of names in there. He's somewhat in the middle of the pack for me. I'm just fine with that. Yeah. Somebody just started chainsawing outside of my front door. So well, I'm going to probably go run. That, that sounds like a perfect time to <laughs> let's get out up. of here. But again, friends, if you want to support us, it means a lot. If you just hit the like button and subscribe to the channel, that's for you guys. Cause we have content rolling out all day. It is the play in tournament in the NBA MLB. There's just like eight slates a day. I don't know how people do it, but we've got a, a great team that does do it. NHL USFL. Don't think. Uh, that we won't be covering that because Matt Kajewski wrote an absolutely fantastic article. If you have any questions, at JazzRazDFS, at Eric Linquist. Don't forget to sign up for Yahoo and use our fastball. Promo code awesomo.com slash promos for me, for Eric, for Tyler behind the glass. Great job as usual. Good luck, everybody. Enjoy the heritage. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.